Hello and welcome back to Simply Walk the Talk. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back, lovely audience, and happy new year. Happy New Year! Yes, this this is a, a time of the year that can get very cheesy, but uh, you know we're not going to be cheesy. We're never going to be cheesy. Yes, being cheesy is definitely not our usual style. Um, <laughs> no, it's good. So obviously, uh, considering the time of year that it is, um, and the fact that actually we're recording on the very first day of 2020. Yeah. We thought that we would do a bit of a year in review with a twist, I guess. That's with a twist. Good. With a twist. We're doing yeah. it a little, bit, little bit differently. Yeah, yeah. And and for those of you that are already rolling your eyes like, oh, yet another update. It's not It's not going to be like that. We, we actually have some very meaty, pun intended, meaty material for you to, to listen through. Because we're going to be talking about how we've maybe used failures, quote unquote failures, to sort of spring forward, to to kind of learn from throughout our careers and our life. Um, so, so hang in there with us because I know there's going to be some great stories that we're going to talk about that may sort of resonate with you and, and maybe can help you out of any slumps you might be in um, and, and whatnot. So, so hang in there. Exactly. Yeah, I think um, this is a great subject just because, you know, we've done episodes on setting resolutions before. Um, we would recommend you go and listen to them because they are good and they're very applicable for, you know, any year. doesn't matter if this is the start of a new decade or, you know, whatever you're doing it for. Um, yeah. But I think something that I've learned particularly recently from um, listening and reading um, work by Elizabeth Day, she's a British author, who has her own podcast called How to Fail and a book with the same title. Um, and she's just kind of really changed the way that I look at failure and how, you know, it's not always a disaster, but it's an area or it's a moment which you can use to learn and grow. Um, so we're kind of going to use a bit of that energy to go into the new year. Um, yeah, and I'm just really intrigued by what have been some of the big failing points for us and how we've moved on with them. Yeah, I think it's powerful. In fact, as we were prepping for this this show, um, you know, you you mentioned a couple of things that that to me really stands out, and I think it's important for for you to voice, but also for others to to hear. Um, and so I, I think we should just start there because that that was the moment I thought, you know what, this is what we're gonna do. Let's let's just let's record. Yeah, let's do <laughs> so it. Let's go for it. <laughs> Doing it live. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so I guess yeah. Um, so one of the fun, one of the fun, one of the first things that comes to mind for me is uh, my failed attempt at instilling a regular, consistent routine, um, particularly like a wellness routine. Um, it's something that I kind of very frantically dove headfirst into last year. And for about four to five months, I was in like the best shape of my life. Um, I was working out a lot. Um, I was you know, <laughs> eating really well. I was doing, I was crushing it, but I was also miserable. I was so unhappy. My mental health was atrocious. Um, and the way I was approaching it was quite manic, really. I mean, I was going, you know, I was working out, I was going for at least seven classes a week, which, you know, is fine. But just the way that I was approaching it was not it was a bit obsessive and a bit unhealthy and that made it unsustainable. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Like that, that sounds, it, you know, it's a common pitfall people fall into. Right. Of course. Of course. Yeah. You know, it sounds like the, the overzealous 
um, which is nothing wrong with that, right? It's nothing yeah. wrong with oh, nothing being, wrong with it. you know, optimist or, you know, whatever, because I'm a very optimistic person and I, I love like setting goals, but at what point do you consider something to be a failure, right? And so I, I can recall looking back on the beginning of the year last year when you were going through it, and I was so impressed, you know, I would see every once in a while you put up a video or some photos of you working out, and, and I'm like, wow, this is great. And I also have to recognize my own thoughts during that time period. I just assumed because you were doing all that that you were happy. Mm, exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and And so, it gave me a bit of happiness. And so it was like, you know, regardless of you being happy or not, I was happy that you posted it because I know that there's going to be other people out there that it may have provided some level of motivation or encouragement. So that's great. But now we're cycling back and we're understanding me and everyone else that like, you know what, this wasn't the best time for you. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's more, yeah, I think it kind of stems down to the fact that there just wasn't any balance in that routine. Like I was focusing so much energy into like the physical side of things and distracting myself from like the mental unhappiness that was there. And I think that's the kind of root of the failure that I I learned. It was the fact that, you know, if you think of it like a a weighing scales, I was putting everything on, on one of the side of the scales and just completely ignoring it. So then when I crashed, I crashed hard. Mm. Um, so it's kind of been a bit of like a journey to figure out why it was so unsustainable. And, you know, I think I'm going to use that perspective and that energy this year to try and find more balance. Right. Because over the last few months, um, yep. I've like put the weights on the other side. So now it's like the scales have tipped completely mm. the other way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the failure, that's kind of the failure, I guess, or a, le- a lesson learned. Um, and that's what I'm going to be working on really hard, at least as much as I can. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think the the emotion or the passion that's put into these these goals can also be the same amount of passion um, and, and intensity for failing at it as well, right? It, mm. it, it can be sort of the same um, unless you decide to do what you're doing now, which is to learn from it. Um, in fact, um, I, I got a message, yes, I think it was yesterday, um, this is that time of the year when a lot of people are reflecting upon the year and they're sending messages and I got a very heartfelt message from one of my colleagues, one of my trainers, uh, Germany, and uh, he sent this message to me and, and I think a group of other people that have impacted him in his life and at the very end, um, I thought it was very, very cool the way uh, that he broke down the idea of losses. So in, in, in the urban world, we call them L's. Like you take an L. If you take an L, that means you take a loss, mm-hmm. right? And so because we all come up with a sports background, um, everything is broken down to V's and W's, which would be victories or wins, and L's as in losses, right? So W's or L's. Well, at the end of it, he goes, from the bottom of my heart, I want you to know that I love you like a brother and look forward to what 2020 has in store considering all the L's I took this past year. Now, in parentheses by L's, he put lessons. And that was like, dude, okay, you know, he definitely took the time to write that out, to think about it, how he wanted to say it, because 
are L's losses or are they lessons? And I consider them to be lessons. And um, and so, you know, shout out to Germany for, for you know, writing that. But it also opened up my eyes to this very episode we're talking about right now. Right? So if, if we consider what lessons did I learn from in 20 or in 2019, um, I think for me, meditation and um, and the use of like new calm is something that I set out to do kind of like you. Like I was doing it all the time. I, you know, I was telling all of my clients about it. I was excited to like roll it out here in the new studio in Flatiron. And every time I would like meet with someone who asked me about new calm, I would get this guilt of like, yeah, new calm is great. It's amazing. It's this and that. But it's like, I wasn't doing it. And every time I would talk to my buddy Salim, Salim does it twice a day. And, and I'm like, okay, um, here it is. I have three units. I have three units and physical units. And then I have, you know, a plethora of the new discs that they rolled out. The discs are the easiest thing, right? Like I would say to clients, well, they came out with these, um, these discs that are like stickers to kind of make it a little bit easier so we, we really have no excuse to do new calm. But here I am not even doing it myself. So what did I do this morning, 2020, first day of the year? I did a new calm session, right? I also did one uh, last night, yesterday. So I posted it in my Instagram stories. So I started the year out on a high note doing the very things that I'm encouraging people to do. And that's what led me into also updating my pillars. Right. So, you know, there's an episode that I that we recorded before this one that we're going to go into all of that with the with the awareness piece. But that's something that I've learned from. It's like instead of feeling guilty, like I should just engage myself as well. Even if I do it once throughout the year, that's one more than I did, you know, in the past few months. Yeah, I think there's something really interesting in that. Um, which you just said, and it was instead of just feeling guilty. Right. Because how much time do we waste wallowing in guilt about yeah. not having done something i mean i'm one of the worst people for doing this where i will procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate because i build something up in my head or a task that i need to do and then i feel horribly guilty for having not done it and then yeah. when you do it you're like oh my god I've, this was actually fine i've just yeah. wasted more time worrying <laughs> and obsessing about it than if i had just sat down and done it and it's the same, like, you know, if you're continuing to beat yourself up for not going to that gym session or not you know, doing something you set out to do, stop obsessing over it and just go yep. and do it. Because, yep. you know, that's that's a really interesting learning point. Yep. And, and what you just mentioned also makes me realize that we're also getting very close to the the talks that uh, Brene Brown talks about with shame. So, so and then shame is also coming up in some of the the recent reading that I'm doing right now, which is um, the book by Joe Dispenza, Becoming Supernatural. I'll probably do an entire episode about this book because it's amazing. Um, but we are what we focus our energy on. So whatever we we if we're wallowing in our self-pity or guilt or any of these things, then it becomes this vicious cycle of, of staying in that, right? But if we can focus on more gratitude, more joy, more love, more 
uh, companionship, all of these things, self-love, then we can't help but to manifest that. You know, and it's like no matter how esoteric you think it is, it's worth trying, <laughs> you know, because you're going to just be a happier person anyway. Right. So even if nothing be nothing is manifested in the way that in the amounts that you hope they would be or whatever, if you're thinking positive thoughts, it's very, very difficult to also be a shitty person. <laughs> You'd hope so. You, you really hope so. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, so what else can you think of as far as your, your, your side of, of learning? Um, so I guess, um, one of my big failures this year was there have been two occasions where I've tried to stop drinking for a month. Um, mm. and it's quite, it's a difficult one for me because like I'm such an anxious person anyway that sometimes I just obsess too much and so therefore if you know you have a few too many drinks one night then you know the next couple of days you're like oh my god do I have a drinking problem what's happening <laughs> like um so I've you know I've, I've tried a couple of times this year to just quit for a month and have kind of failed like and they've always been in social situations where I didn't want to miss out on like, you know, I felt like I didn't want to miss out on the fun so you know when I hosted Friendsgiving my will kind of immediately crumbled um mm. and those occasions have really given me pause for thought um and i'm just kind of trying to learn you know in those moments why did i not just step back and kind of really assess why i was crumbling and why i wasn't like holding my willpower together um mm. so i mean one of the big things that i am going to be doing this year is i'm quitting drinking altogether um, like that's Ooh. one of my big goals. Yeah. <laughs> Cause the I mean, whole yeah, year. yeah, well, I mean, hopefully for good. Um, one of the big things I've kind of learned from all of this is that it does not agree with my medication. Um, despite the fact that my psychiatrist said that you can drink on antidepressants, you really can't. Um, right. at yeah. least, at least you can't, at right. least, at least I can't. Um, it does not mix well with my antidepressants. So I'm kind of taking the opportunity to just say well i'm not gonna i'm just not gonna do it i'm just i'm just gonna stick to not drinking um that's powerful thanks <laughs> yeah you know it's it, it's again this is I, i'm glad that we're talking through this because um this allows me to kind of understand you a little bit more because i remember um I guess it was last year, kind of towards the beginning of the year, you went like a couple moments. There was a couple parties I think you were proud of for not drinking at. And, yeah. and, and, and I remember you were talking about that. And then I didn't even consider it to be a problem. I just kind of thought like, oh, she's just kind of trying to further her, her aesthetic well-being, right? Like, yeah. like for health reasons and aesthetically. And that's fine too. But, you know, it's not until right now that I am hearing that you may think that it was more than just a, you know, you're doing it for your aesthetic or your health, uh, as far as like your physical health, you're doing it more for the fact that like, you know, mentally, it's also probably a problem mm -hmm. and physically, right? Yeah, I think I've been read I've been doing reading about, you know, why do people, you know, the why do people have that certain relationship with drinking and I mean you know I'm making it sound like I'm a complete alcoholic I'm not uh, you know I'm a 26 year old living in England and you know the English and Irish have a very big drinking culture so most socializing does happen in a pub or a bar or you know at a party 
it's only until like recent years, culturally, I think, that people, if they saw that you weren't drinking, they wouldn't take no for an answer, or they'd be like, well, why, why aren't you drinking? What's wrong? Like, have a drink. I'll go on. You know, and taking up, you know, traditionally, like the views between uh, views towards vegans or vegetarians, right? Like, yeah. it kind of like hits them inside. They're like, oh well, why are you not drinking? As if that reflects on them. Um, so I think it's just, it's, it's interesting, you know, sometimes people drink because of social anxiety or just because everyone else is doing it. So I'm, I'm really trying to like explore that relationship of like, okay, why was I doing that at parties and relying on that kind of as a crutch for making me feel better socially. Um, but it also, yeah, it just, it completely counteracts my medication. So so let me ask you this, <laughs> if, if you don't mind. I mean, you know, this is this is an interesting moment because, and I keep I, I keep saying interesting, but I think it's an important moment um, because, again, this is why I'm I'm just now learning these things about you. Yeah, of course. But the two two questions that come up, I guess, from the health coach perspective, right? Like, you yeah. need to kind of like dig deeper. Is do you feel that your friends will take you seriously enough? Um, one, mm-hmm. right? Like when, when now, because now you've got a new goal. So I'm assuming that they're either going to hear this or you're going to let them know that you that you're you're doing this. But one, do you think they'll take it serious enough? And two, do you think it will affect the people that you do hang out with, like and the way you hang out with them? Yeah, of course. So I'm. Um... I mean, I've already kind of broached the subject with them and they've been incredibly supportive. And I think it is a reflection of a growing trend, actually. Particularly with people, I mean, again, I'm 26, I'm pretty young. Um, But there are a lot of people that I've been talking to who are my age and who are not drinking. I know at least about four of my friends who are stopping drinking as well. One stopped earlier this year and didn't really tell anyone because we hadn't seen him for ages. Um, And it's just completely normal. It's just completely... Like, it's not an issue. Um, so I'm really grateful that, you know, I do have that friendship with people where they're not going to, you know, give you trouble for not drinking. Mm. Um, they're just going to be supportive. And I think it's just an adjustment. It's just remembering, like, if you're having people over to have some non-alcoholic alternatives. Options, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of, you know, how it will change my interactions with them, I mean, it won't. Like, again, if I, it's just learning to, like, change the behavior. So, I mean, I've done it once or twice before where we'll have been in the pub and I'll just drink sparkling water. So much sparkling water, it's outrageous. <laughs> I was so hydrated. Um, <laughs> so hydrated. <laughs> so, yeah. But, it's yeah, I, I find it really, really fascinating, particularly because once you try doing that, it gives you a completely different perspective on social situations. Like, going to the pub and realizing you can only drink tap water sparkling water or some sort of sugary like soft drink um and there are more non-alcoholic alternatives like there's non-alcoholic beer and there's like seed lip which is like a non-alcoholic spirit but like i was at a christmas party and i wasn't drinking and it was like a champagne reception and they didn't have anything non-alcoholic Mm. I was like, oh okay so you know it's like so i'm just gonna stand without a glass and i'm more noticeable um so it's just wow. it's it's interesting just when you kind of try and look at the world from a different viewpoint. Yeah, because then it's it's also like okay, I recall, and I, and I've never had an issue with drinking. Thankfully, um, in fact, I didn't drink until I was twenty one. Um, you know, I, I grew up in 
very, very deep in sports and academics. And I just felt that it was a detriment to my my growth as a, as a young man um, and as a successful person that I wanted to be. I just kind of felt like it, I didn't really need that. And then I got wrapped into it once I turned 21. And um, fortunately, when I was playing college basketball, both of the teams, so I was at a junior college and then uh, then eventually at a university and both teams had this, um, I guess you would call it like a a rule, like as a, as a team rule that you don't drink during the season and things like that. Um, so that kind of helped me to like really not care about drinking that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then as I started to move to New York and I was working part time as a, um, as a promoter, I was, I was working at night with a few of my friends who were promoters. And it was kind of the first time when I realized that, wow, all these young kids who wanted to get into the clubs, um, like the big, the big bonus is if you get a table with, with like free bottles. And it was almost like, I started to realize like, wow, I would rather, rather get the money, right? Like working as a promoter, like sometimes you could just get a table for free and get bottles but not get paid or you could go the get paid option and I always went for the get paid option because I'm like I, I I can go down the to the, the liquor store and spend 10 bucks on a bottle of liquor if I really wanted liquor that much you know and so what started to happen is I started to see a lot of my friends just get completely wasted some of my best friends would just get floored every time we went out and I happened to be the one who didn't and what I would do in order for all the people that I brought to the parties in order for them to all get drinks I started to not take drinks because one of my buddies who was promoting with me he was drinking as much as the people that we would bring would drink so it's like you're dipping into your your profits so to speak right Mm -hmm. so I learned very quickly like oh let me just fill this glass with cranberry juice or sparkling water like you did and everybody would think like dude are you not hung over you know the next morning like are you not hung over and I'm like no like I'm you know I didn't drink they were like yeah you did I saw you had a glass in your hand I'm like yeah it was just cranberry juice they're like dude that's stupid and I'm like why is it stupid you know so I I do recall those those times when it was kind of awkward when people who didn't know me or people, even people who did know me, if I would tell them, no, I'm not drinking, one of the first questions out of their mouth was, was like, oh, like, did you go, are you an AA or something? Like, are, do, you, do you have a drinking problem? It's like, well, I, I don't, I don't think so. But even if I did, like, you know, <laughs> why is that the first question out of your mouth? Like, I would hope that you would be supportive no matter what it is I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's the reason why I brought that up and, and I asked you those questions because I, I remember what it was like whenever I was in the party atmosphere, but it's also okay to still hang out and party without drinking, yeah. without having an alcoholic beverage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And it's getting easier and easier, just like you're getting more options for being vegetarian or vegan when you go out. There are so many more options now for not drinking, yeah. um, which is good. So I, yeah, that's one of my big kind of failure slash learning moments this year awesome um yeah i'm trying to think i mean there's i feel like there's so many um for me and and what i do in fact 
I think the very essence of being a biohacker in today's world, in today's society, which is a new term, actually, that's kind of, um, I think, like, um, scientists and and doctors and um, uh, people in our past, our ancestors, I, I would even say, like, farmers, we could all consider them biohackers as well. But now there's this new phrase being thrown around called biohacker for people today who test their body, test different supplements, figure out ways to become more efficient and effective and to increase longevity. All of that is based on trial and error, right? And so if you if you consider what it is that I do like as my career, it's basically all about losses, uh, failures and learning lessons. Mm. So, um, so I can, I will strive to continue losing and learning in 2020 and beyond. Um, you know, some, some of the things aside from the whole getting back into meditating and doing new calm and things like that. Um, I've learned literally like how much I can go as far as like pushing the needle, working out too much and then going completely the opposite and not working out at all. And I so I think for me, even in myself, learning how to balance. I learned at the beginning of last year, I was so excited coming off the tour and doing all these things. I'm like, I'm just gonna start working, you know, doing 10 to 12 sessions a day. And then I quickly realized, no, I, I wanna start saying no more. And I then took that to the extreme and I was having days when I wasn't even coming in and maybe not training any clients. So learning from that, I am now going back to kind of in the middle of the road, taking, you know, four or five clients a day, having time available to help out the other trainers, but then also practice on myself, like do more of these things for myself. So Um, if you can consider that a failure or failures, then, then I think that that's, that's a big one for me. No, I think that's good. And it kind of, it goes back to something that, um, I heard Elizabeth Day say when she, um, was writing her book. Um, and that's just that every failure is data acquisition, right? It's like, Um, it, it doesn't need to be this big, scary thing or this huge, overwhelming, uh, concept. It's just, it's literally giving you new information. You know, every breakup is, you know, it's not a complete failure because you learned a little bit more about yourself and what you're like and what you want, you know, things like that. Um, I really liked that way of, of looking at it. Yeah, that, that, that also brings me to another point that, um, so I've recently got gotten re-engaged with Vivo Barefoot and their, their marketing team. And, you know, uh, anybody who knows me knows I've been in, involved with Vivo Barefoot for about a decade now, um, and, um, and and so going through some of their new promotional material and and the ways that they want to kind of position themselves in the market, um, I started to read some of the, the the new material that's out there, and I love how they have this this phrase where it's basically we've got to take a, take steps back in order to move forward, and there's there's the literal sense of that and then there's the figurative sense of that and it's kind of what i do in my movement practice in fact it is what i do in my movement practice i literally encourage people when they when they train with me to take off their shoes and socks and to strip them down from everything they know 
and they think about fitness, health, and wellness. And let's start from scratch. Let's get you on the ground, literally on the floor, no matter if it's dirty or not. And let's crawl and act like babies, right? And, and then from there, because to be honest with you, like in our infancy, as small kids, we are less screwed up than we are ever at any other point in our lives because we, we have the least amount of influence on our innate abilities and capabilities. So if we can continue that, then we can have some of the same wonderful movements as we had when we were babies. But we, we quickly get put into shoes, we quickly get sat in seats and told to be still and told to learn at a certain rate and all these things. And so all of us can kind of learn from that, right? We can learn from, hey, wait a minute, if we just watch young kids and how they develop, then maybe that's a sign of what we need to continue. We need to support that kind of like not drinking, right? We need to support if a kid is acting wild, maybe it's because he's got a lot of energy that he needs to get out, you know, kind of like a puppy. You know, it's like if you have a boxer dog, like that, that breed is a very active breed. You don't try to force that dog to sit down. What do you do? You put him outside in the backyard or you take them for long walks or runs and so that they can get their energy out. Well, anyway, it, it, <laughs> there's just so many things with, with what I think people are going to start seeing for 2020. There's going to be a lot more focus on getting back to moving primitively and uh, stripping down what it is we think, because it's great that we have all this technology, but how can we combine ancient wisdom with modern science mm -hmm. or modern technology and make it balanced? And that's what I, I hope that everyone starts to see with, with what it is I'm doing with my business this year yeah. and beyond. So I guess the kind of wrapping it up, what, I mean, you know, just to do the, so we can check off the whole, like looking ahead to 2020 thing, what one thing do you want to have achieved by this time next year? Ooh, <laughs> um, okay. I, I have to say two things if, if, if I can. <laughs> okay, because, okay. <laughs> because I think they're, they're on, on the same level as far as my passion and what I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, and I mean, I could probably list off more than that, but one for sure is I hope by this time next year, we, we have, we have doubled our growth in our viewership on this podcast. And I hope to have, um, to have gotten a sponsor or more than one sponsor so that we can continue to grow the podcast. Because I, I think once, once we get the ball really rolling this year, I think we not only will we become more successful as a podcast, but I think we'll be able to help a lot more people. And so I hope that we get more engagement from uh, from ratings on the, the podcast app. And I hope that we get people texting in and, and commenting and asking questions and things like that just to grow, grow it. Um, the other thing is from a business perspective with my practice, I hope to really find a space where we can start doing group classes. So by this time next year, I would love to be able to start doing group classes because it's something that I do enjoy group classes because I can affect more people in, in the same amount of time. Um, but right now the focus has been here at 126 Fifth Avenue at Dr. Passler's studio and on 18th Street and Fifth Avenue, we focus primarily on private training in small, small group classes, mm -hmm. but I want to be able to grow it to a larger community in the future. Very good. Like and that. you? 
this time next year, I want to, I want to feel like I'm living up to my potential. I want to feel like I am really like living life, um, you know, and like taking the most of every opportunity and just holding myself accountable and being consistent and happy. That's what I want to do. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a great goal to have. And I think that that should be kind of the first, you know, for or a priority for all of us. But, um, you know, yeah. we, we will be watching and encouraging you along the way. Thank you. So, at, at least I will be. I, I hope that our listeners are, are there to support us as well, because we, we are getting we are getting people that are still listening and following along and you know a shout out to my mom because i know she's going to be listening to this um (laughs) i love she's one of the first to always comment about how how much she liked the episode and she literally literally does take everything we say um you know to heart and and so i know that we if we only have the effect of one person out there and, and that being my mom my family people that are close to me then i am happy and I'll continue doing this, you know? That's wonderful. Well, shout out to Josh's mom. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for being our, our best fan. I appreciate it. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I will say this. Um, she'll probably be laughing and blushing right now. But on the last, uh, the last episode when I interviewed Natalie, she was like, son, it was a great episode. And, and I want to learn more about this lymphatic drainage and do all these things. She's like, but boy, I sure do miss Grace's voice. <laughs> Aww. Yeah, that is so, a huge compliment. Thank you yeah. very much. Now I'm blushing. <laughs> yeah, all good. Well, um, for the first episode of the year, let's finish how we always finish. Let's finish with some gratitude, huh? Oh my gosh. Okay, yes, let's do it. Um, I am especially grateful uh, this holiday season for my mum and my sister, um, who are like the most hardworking, generous and caring people I have ever met and ever known. Um, and I am so grateful for everything they do um, and they just make my life so much better so that's that's who I'm dedicating my gratitude to um, for this year beautiful my gratitude is is somewhat similar um, I I, I want to thank everyone who I would consider family and that goes well beyond my my actual family um, but that goes to my my close friends that I see on a regular basis. That's my colleagues. That's my the my friends that I don't see on a regular basis, but they know that you know our our friendship is is strong. And you know there was there's an analogy in this book that I'm reading right now that talks about how um, the electric the electromagnetic field is is invisible, but we all know it's there. Right, because it, it is powerful, and I treat friendships and 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 um, personal relationships the same way. It's like it may be invisible. We we may not get a chance to see each other all the time and talk to each other all the time, but you know it's there. You feel it, and so I'm thankful for those that that I consider family and and close to my heart. Um, and that's my utmost gratitude to all of you. So thank you. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Gosh, we've done very lovely sentimental uh, gratitudes, um, which is an excellent start to the year, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, again, as always, thank you all for listening. Thank you for, for, for you know, putting up with our whatever, <laughs> all of our stuff. 
throughout the year. And I hope that 2020 brings lots of blessings for you. And I hope that we can give you information that helps you to do so. Absolutely. Um, so please don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. If you want to tell us about your failures of uh, 2019 or just anything that you've learned from, give us a shout out, uh, comment on Instagram, send us an email at hello at simplywalkthetalk.com. Um, we just love hearing from you. So please say hi. All right. And on that note, bye-bye. Bye. bye.